listening to the Sacred Ordinary Days podcast. I'm Jen Giles Kemper, and you can find me at sacredordinarydays.com. I'm Lacey Clark-Elman of asacredjourney.net. For season one, we're journeying together through the liturgical year. So grab a cup of tea or coffee and join us at the table. Hey, Jen. Hi, Lacey. So we're actually talking to each other a lot more recently because we've got these webinars going on. Hopefully some of our listeners have been tuning in as well. Yeah, and we're both webinar newbies, so it's been a great time. And Yeah, be a webinar newbie with us. We're all, mm-hmm. all are welcome Come here. Come join us. We, uh, <laughs> in the webinars, we're talking about our daily spiritual practices, how to cultivate your own for more peace and presence in your sacred, ordinary days, and uh, why retreat is so hard but matters, as you know. It's a valuable experience for us, and we've got one coming up that we'd love for you to join us on. Our next webinar is Tuesday, March 29th. It's at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 a.m. Pacific, and we're hoping that some of you who are in places other than North America will be able to listen as well with that webinar being so early. Absolutely. Those are available worldwide. You can listen in from a computer anywhere, and we hope that you will. Join us. The specifics about what we're going to show you is why a daily spiritual practice matters, what our daily spiritual practices include, which I'm sure you've picked up on many of those bits already, how to cultivate your own daily spiritual practice, which we touched on a bit in the Ordinary Time episode, and what elements to include, why we both use and recommend the examine, something we've explored a bit here already, and how to easily practice the examine. We're going to practice it together live, which I'm really excited about. We'll also talk about why setting aside time for retreat is so hard for both of us. We're right there with you on that. And what we look for in retreat experiences, settings, and fellow retreatants, the participants that really enhance the journey. And, of course, what you can expect from our retreat in May. I know we've been talking about it since the beginning, and we are excited to finally share with you more juicy details. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been funny. In the Facebook group, uh, as different people are commenting on different episodes, I've noticed that several people will say, when Lacey said this, and it was actually me, Jennifer, (laughs) or when Jennifer said this, and it was actually Uh Lacey. And so I'm excited for you guys to put our faces with our voices. To match it up. To match it up. I'll take the good things you say, though, Jen. I'll take the good part. (laughs) But I think the fun of it will also be that we can have conversations even more closely in real time than we already do. Mm -hmm. We record these podcasts pretty close to when we release them within a few days. And we're always having conversations in the Facebook group, but being able to have those conversations and have you guys ask questions that we answer in real time will be really, really neat. So please join us. You can get more information about both of those and both of our newsletters and find links to that on our websites. So the retreat, it's happening on Saturday, May 28th, which is Memorial Day weekend with um, a dinner on Friday night and one on Saturday night in Waco, Texas, where I live. Um, And you can go to sacredordinarydays.com for that link. So far, we've got 12 folks joining us, and that means that we have um, a few spots remaining. We decided to go ahead and cap it at 36. We may have closer to like 24. We want it to be a really intimate um, time together 
that is also rich and vibrant and gives you lots to chew on and some new relationships to go home with. So we hope you'll consider joining us. And if you come to our webinar, you'll learn more about it, including what special arrangements we've made for lodging that are completely unlike any retreat either of us has ever been on, but we think is going to be a great fit for you. Lacey, tell me how you've been since last we spoke. You had a birthday. I did have a birthday. It was a week and a half ago. I don't know. It feels so recent and so far away at the same time, but I guess (laughs) that's life and that's getting older too. But yeah, I had a birthday and consequently had a feast day on my birthday. I think I mentioned that on our first Lent episode when we talked about fasting, that since my birthday always falls in Easter, I I like to treat myself just a little bit, you know. Uh I didn't choose to be born then, so. During Lent. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Um, And so, yes, as I think I said in the fasting episode, we, my husband and I have given up TV and movies for for Lent, and so we... uh, we went on a, a weekend trip to um, one of the islands here in the Pacific Northwest, and we also watched some of the movie, the Academy Award nominees, which was great to Ooh. catch up on because I really hadn't. It's a, it's a big deal for me, but I hadn't really seen um, many of the ones that were nominated and also sounds like a good celebration caught up, uh, it was and caught up on some jimmy fallon videos too so and Stephen Colbert. <laughs> so we were we uh we knew where to go we knew where we wanted to go for for our feast day our feast weekend um and at the same time i realized along the lines of fasting that it surprised me that easter's come up so quickly and um I haven't been reaching, you know, desiring those those distractions as much as I was certainly in the first few weeks of Lent, especially early on when my husband was gone. And I I texted him and I said, "Why are we Why are we giving up TVs and TV and movies? That's two things. <laughs> Can't I watch a movie?" And um, in that moment, I realized that it wasn't about the rules. That's that's the moment. That's the tension of fasting is um, noticing. When you desire Absolutely. after that something and choosing consciously to withhold. So so it's been a fast Lent and also, though, a very, very rich Lent, um, especially because of our conversations. What about you, Jen? I've been doing lots of gardening mm. the last couple of weeks, and um, it it feels appropriate. I'm, I feel like I'm tilling up and preparing soil in my mind and heart um, for some good seeds that I'm planting now. And so it felt appropriate to be doing that in actual dirt and soil um, as well. And it had been pretty warm here in Texas. It was feeling very, very spring-like. And then just this past weekend for Palm Sunday, um, we hit a cold snap, and I'm still wearing multiple uh, sweatshirts at the moment. <laughs> um, and that feels appropriate to tell too, us what a cold have... snap is in Texas. Too. Well, okay. So it's not as cold as it is there, but, um, it feels appropriate okay. as we're rounding the corner to Holy week that mm. some of the chill would yeah. come back. Yeah, definitely. So I'm very aware of that. Mm-hmm. Holy week is the last week of Lent. 
just before Easter, and it begins with Palm Sunday. It's the last week of Jesus' public ministry and his life on earth, and really marks his journey to the cross. We're going to talk more about traditions later on, but I'm going to suggest one tradition that you might pick up. Make meals for your ministers and clergy members this week. Do something to give them the gift and the grace of space and ease and do something to care for them. Holy Week is the one of the busiest mm. weeks in most ministers' well, lives. Yeah, you said your dad is a minister, so you know full well, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> and while, we, while I didn't grow up in liturgical churches... Um, it was still one of the yeah. busier weeks for him. And I, I know that as I have several friends now who are pastors and priests, that it's the week of the year that they simultaneously most look forward to and most uh, dread mm-hmm. because of just how very full it is and how busy it is. So I'm suggesting a new tradition for you for <laughs> Holy Week now or in the future. And there are several holy days. We start with Palm Sunday, which this year is on March 20th. Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem and is welcomed with palms as a king. Then the first few days of the week are sometimes called Holy Monday, Holy Tuesday, Holy Wednesday. I feel like that's um, what they kind of pin on any day that doesn't have a special <laughs> a special name, Holy. It's true. Or whatever. You know, and it works. Yeah. <laughs> um, and those focus on the anointing of Jesus at Bethany, the foretelling of Judas's betrayal, and the clearing of the temple. And then Monday, Thursday, this year is on March 24th, and in John 13, um, Jesus washes his disciples' feet, preparing for their meal together, and commands them, mandates them, which is where we get the name Monday, Thursday, Mandate Thursday. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you example that you should do as I have done to you. And then he says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So that's the new mandate that we're given. And for many people, services include foot washings and um, a shared meal as well. And then on Good Friday, March 25th, we mark the crucifixion of Jesus and his death at Calvary. Good because this incredible sacrifice is an example of good. Others say that it is Good Friday taken from God Friday. Um, In the Anglican tradition, churches are often adorned with black. In the Catholic tradition, it's normally red. In my little Anglo-Baptist, (laughs) Babdo-Catholic church, we use red and black. (laughs) And it's a fasting day for many. Holy Saturday is on March 26th, and Christ is in the tomb. What I like, uh, what we notice here with Holy Saturday is that the predominant theme goes from one of mourning to hope. It's, it's a watchful expectation mm. on Holy Saturday. feels like we just barely start turning the corner to Easter, And then on Easter Sunday, of course, March 27th, we celebrate Christ's resurrection and triumphant victory over death. So Lacey, what's meaningful to you about Holy Week? Well, I especially love the invitation to walk in step with Christ 
in his final days. I feel like, you know, with Advent, we're remembering, um, we, you know, we even start back in the Old Testament and then remember Mary and becoming pregnant and all these things. But that's just four weeks before Christmas. And so not real mm-hmm. time for sure. And then um, even just with the seasons that follow, we certainly are remembering memorializing, ritualizing all these times in the life of Christ. But here we've got like a straight account, starting with Palm Sunday, and can go, for the most part, day by day. And so that feels really rich to me. I know that uh, many churches on Palm Sunday, sometimes also called Passion Sunday because they go through the passion story, whether it's spoken or sung, and... um, I, I feel like it's a drama that Holy Week mm-hmm. unfolds like a drama before us, and we're invited to walk that path with Christ, the path of Christ. And so I feel like it's really rich because of that. And I think also, um, particularly those three final days, Monday, Thursday, the invitation there on that evening, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday as we keep vigil for Easter Sunday, I almost feel like it's a dare to descend with Christ into that darkness, that stillness, that uncertainty. I know um, growing up mm-hmm. in the tradition I grew up in, there was I mean, we had Good Friday because it was on the calendar and there was no school. So Good Friday was good in a different way to me as a child. <laughs> um, and I mean, my family traditions, we would paint Easter eggs or something like that. But there was no emphasis on on descending with Christ through this on um, what it would have been like to be with Christ then, uh, having witnessed, you know, the betrayal that he faced and the crucifixion, et cetera, and then that hollowness of that Saturday. And I feel like the first time I did enter, you know, and it's just the same with um, the seasons and with liturgy, the first time I really experienced that Easter was absolutely transformed for me. Easter fell more filled with mm-hmm. celebration because of the descent into the darkness. And so if I'm going to be evangelical about anything, it's about this. It feels essential to me for sure. And in the same way, I feel like because women are such key characters um, in that drama, in that unfolding, they, at least um, in the account, are the ones who stay until the cross. They're the ones who first discover him, um, to keep vigil with him, not only through his death, but um, after his passing. And so because of that, they are the first to experience him arisen. And so I feel like it reminds us that if we keep vigil in these moments of desolation, we too might be present for the first signs of life. Well said. What about you, Jen? I really love the shared meal and the foot washing that has has taken place at many services I've been a part of on Monday, Thursday. The fact that there is more than a day, but especially this day, set aside to focus on humility Mm. feels like such a rich invitation. Yeah. Um, And I also find that I see something in Jesus in this week that is just a further invitation into my own humanity Mm -hmm. and how, how beautiful and 
deep it ought to be. Um, And that Jesus' humanity didn't end in death, um, which is normally where we think the end of our life is, the end Mm. of our humanity is. But that he too descended into hell before he arose. Um, That feels really powerful to me, Um, especially the older I get and the more I personally experience and have opportunities to walk with other people through experiences of hell on earth. Mm. Um, that, that, that too is part of humanity of of what we're called to and Mm -hmm. what Jesus models for us. Mm -hmm. And I think similarly to go from celebration to defeat and mourning to hope back to celebration, that feels, um, like a really incredible cycle to go through like Mm -hmm. in one week, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if you had someone that you were friends with going, you know, these really high highs and these really low lows in one week, you might be appropriately concerned and, uh-huh. and have some conversations. I feel like holy week should take it out of us. Yeah, but the whole the fact that the whole church uh-huh. goes yeah. really high and really low and really high in one week, um, I think is is just such an incredible model for, for how we're invited to come in at times. Yeah. Um, which is so counter to how I experience and and want to enter into church mm-hmm. and worship most days. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a little bit leery. So, tell me about your practice, though, Lacey. How do you mark Holy Week? What practices are you playing with and engaging with? Well, I'm definitely, as you mentioned, Palm Sunday, and um, that kind of is very much facilitated by the church for me because we've got the rituals of the palms. And actually, last year. It might have been my first very liturgical Palm Sunday service before maybe there was palms on the like the PowerPoint or something like that. <laughs> but I was um, in London at Westminster Abbey and we processed kind of like an entry into the main part of the sanctuary. And that was really powerful for me, just as I was saying before, the invitation to truly walk um, with Christ down that path. But those those few days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I um, certainly enjoy entering into those stories and um, would like to, as um, time goes on and as our family grows, think about traditions for those days as well, create our own. So if anyone out there has any ideas, we would love, love to hear more about them in the Sacred Ordinary Days Tribe Facebook group. What about you, Jen? Yeah, on Palm Sunday growing up, we often had someone sing um, the Via Dolorosa, and that's something that I was a part of either singing or when you're actually dancing, which I cannot, I have a hard time really envisioning what what exactly transpired, but Palm Sunday does feel really triumphant for me, and and we have palms every year, um, you know, that we wave and the children in our service wave, and I always... um, save one back to burn myself mm, for ashes mm-hmm. um, for the following year, which I know many churches do. Um, but I, I do it as well, and it, it gives me some um, some way to be a part of that story mm. in more my home life. Rounding the corner to Maundy Thursday, what's that look like for you? Yeah, well, I had to say first off that the first time I heard about Maundy Thursday was in college um, from the church I was attending. And they were talking about a service they were having, and I was going home for, for Easter, so I wasn't going to be there. But I thought, what, what is this? I thought they were saying Monday, Thursday, because my um, 
dad always he says the days like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And so I just thought, what's well Mississippi, yeah, you know. What's going what's going on here? Yeah, he's from Louisiana, Mississippi. It's got a long line down there, so so who knows? <laughs> I thought, well, this is some interesting day, Mon- Monday and Thursday. But then as um, time has passed, I've come to learn about Monday, Thursday. And I love that meaning behind it to the, the mandate, um, particularly of, of the Eucharist and um, of the desire to love as Christ has loved. Um, we, in our church... And as I've said, we just started attending this church in the past couple of years. And so uh, what we do as a community is is new to me. Last year, we shared a meal mm. kind of with, um, you know, they say, I think on the announcement, bring Jesus era type food, Mediterranean, you know, <laughs> bread, Jesus, et cetera, olives or something. And uh, so we, in a way, gather around the table just as they did and I find that to be a really rich experience. And then we then share, rather than coming up to the altar for Eucharist, share it gathered around the table as well, serving one another as we pass it along. I know uh, in the past I've participated in some Seder Passover meals, and I know of many people that have done that as well. But I've also read a lot of blog posts and articles recently. Um, There's one particularly in Christianity Today that we'll link to in the show notes that um, remind us to remain cautious and conscious of appropriation there. And that really convicted me. I, I know the desire to engage in that comes from such a good place because I know whenever I did, you know, you just want to connect you want to reenact um be as close to christ in those final days as possible but at the same time this is an ongoing jewish tradition and uh, they said in the article that i read recently that it treats judaism as a spiritual fossil of sorts and one author compared practicing as christians a seder or passover meal to jews or muslims practicing eucharist and so that was a good way for me to see um, the, the tension there. And so from what I've heard, if you want to have that experience of a Seder feast, the best way to do it is through the lens of a Jewish family. And I'm sure there would be many who would welcome you into that. But that's just something that is a new awareness to me and something that I wanted to pass on as well. And of course, see what you all think about that. Yeah, we'd love to have conversations about that in the Facebook group. I know that we have several in the group who um, who come from varying backgrounds, and I think we'll have a lot of um, richness to add to that conversation. Mm, so we'd definitely. love to hear what you've experienced or um, how you wiggled an invite to someone else's <laughs> um, Passover Seder. Yeah. There's one more thing, too, I want to be sure to mention about Maundy Thursday, and that is... Um, the services that I have been to, I don't know if you do this, Jen, but at the end, kind of like in commemoration of going in the garden and the betrayal, the altar is cleared in silence and people leave in mm. silence. And that, um, whew, I think that's the first day that I really experienced the darkness of Good Friday, having it initiated like that. And one one church I attended, they cleared the altar and then we followed everyone into by candlelight into a tiny chapel um, to the side of the sanctuary. And that felt like following Jesus into the garden. And um, the challenge 
to, as he challenged, asked, requested in his vulnerability, the disciples to keep vigil in prayer. And so I feel like especially now in these days, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, etc., um, the question is, where, where would I be if I were with Christ? Would I be praying? You know, how do I betray? So, hmm. yeah, it ends on a very, I can even feel it internally right now, a very um, deep and convicting and powerful note for me. What about you, Jen? You know, I haven't been a part of a service um, where I noticed the clearing of the altar as kind of that final stroke. Mm. Oh, I like that way of saying it. The services that I've been a part of um, use a liturgy called Tenebrae, which I didn't know the name of until now. Um, And that's often celebrated on Holy Wednesday and sometimes Monday, Thursday. Um, It comes from the Latin meaning of darkness and shadow. Um, So in a Tenebrae liturgy, all the candles are gradually extinguished, Mm. and we dim dim all the lights in the sanctuary as well. Um, And all this is happening while a series of readings, um, usually psalms are chanted or recited, um, and then the sanctuary um, at the end is in complete darkness and you exit. And I know um, a lot of churches will also reserve music to be part of the service, but not not for the processional or the recessional, the introit or the um, benediction, um, mm-hmm. so that the services are starting and ending more somberly and, and again, usher us into um, where, where we need to be mm-hmm. um, rather than sending us glibly on, um, on our To way. paint our Easter eggs. Right, right. <laughs> um, also on Monday, Thursday, this liturgy, um, for some, initiates the Easter Tridium or Paschal Tridium, which is a period of three days of prayer commemorating the passion, death, and resurrection of Christ. Of course, this is true for all of us. That's what these days are for. Um, but thinking, thinking of them as sort of a three-part mm-hmm. saga um, has been helpful for me. Yeah. To, to remember not to forsake one for the other. Mm-hmm. I know some people do silent retreats or just go into silence for that whole period. And it's not something I've done before, but it is an experience I hope to have at some time. It seems appropriate. Mm-hmm. What about Good Friday? Well, Good Friday, as I said before, did it, you know, it just meant no school before. And so it now has is getting richer meaning as I um, learn new ways to memorialize that day. And one is, I think I just started it last year, is wearing black. And I just like that it's something that I know that I'm doing, and many people might not notice otherwise. And there are, I think I had spiritual direction last, day, or last year on Good Friday, and my director noticed. And so those who do notice... Um, there is that shared mourning, that shared tension together. And so that is something that I've started and I hope to continue. And then in the evening, this is actually the first service I attended at my current church was the Good Friday service, which is an interesting mm-hmm. first service to attend for sure. 
And um, but the way they did the liturgy is what um, why we're there still today. It uh, is a service with overtones of feeling of lostness, darkness, abandonment. Um, it very much feels, you know, not only am I wearing black, but it feels black. And at the end of the service particularly is uh, one of the most uncomfortable things that I experience um, throughout the year, at least when it comes to liturgy. And it's going up during a song and we each have huge nails and there's there's a bucket and it's a you know metal bucket and we walk through the aisle and we drop them in the bucket and it makes such a loud noise and mm. it's just so jarring that it awakens you and it um makes you feel great tension for for the ways in which you drop the nails into the bucket, nail Christ into, into the the cross, um, the ways in which you deny, like Peter, three times or more, wow. um, the source of life within you. And so, yeah, there's not many pretty things to say about it because it's not pretty, but it is deeply impactful. And then, um, then we leave in silence with that memory. Um, reverberating that sound echoing through the next day. Wow. Yeah, I remember noticing uh, a particular woman, Elizabeth Sandswise, who she and her husband Jonathan were at our church uh, when I first started attending Dayspring. And I noticed her walking in wearing black Mm. um, the first year. And as a lover of color, and springtime, mm-hmm. um, I found myself, you know, <laughs> noticing all the bright colors that I was wearing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was really one of my first moments of thinking like, oh, okay, what if I matched how I dressed um, or how I, yeah, something more personal, mm-hmm. how I engage with these more personal practices yeah. um, beyond how I dress um, with these liturgical seasons. And that that really was a catalyst for me to begin to explore, you know, things that ended up in my, my purple Lenten and mm-hmm. Advent pillows yeah. and, and oh, that's so um, cool different to scented that soaps, but, mm-hmm, but it was, it was Elizabeth walking mm-hmm. in wearing black to a Good Friday service several years ago that called me to that. Mm. I've never participated in um, a fast on Good Friday, kind of beyond my normal Lenten fast. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm doing this year. Oh, wow. um, so I'm... I'm trying it. I'd love would to it hear be like, others' experience. Would it be a you know more traditional food fast, or what are you thinking? Yep, my plan is to fast from everything but water. Um, I'm still drinking hot water <laughs> instead of tea um, uh, for the rest of Lent, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm fasting from everything but water on Friday. You're and, gonna hate um, hot water after. We'll see. I'm sure. I'm sure. We'll see how it goes. But Good Friday is also um, a time that I always go through the Stations of the Cross again. Mm. Um, and we often will do that as our service. Yeah. Um, but I'll even go through it kind of earlier in the day if if I'm not going to be with, at the service for whatever reason. Um, and there's something about going through the Stations of the Cross that feels really 
final and really real Mm. on Good Friday in a way that even if you have been perhaps walking the Stations of the Cross during the whole of Lent um, or maybe once a week or something, um, there's just something about going through that on Good Friday. And in case you're not familiar with the Stations of the Cross, um, I wasn't until the last several years. And if people had talked about it, I would have felt really left out. So that's never our intention here on the podcast. Our our intention is to give you language and resources to connect with. Sometimes it's as simple as Googling it <laughs> um, so that you can find a way to enter into these practices, whether or not you grew up with them, whether or not your um, home church practices them, um, and find a way that helps you walk more closely with Christ. Um, and you know, wherever you live and whatever your season of life. So for the Stations of the Cross, um, it's a way of taking a pilgrimage through the story and the life of Christ in in this season um, without leaving your home and traveling across the world. And so you um, pause at different stations, moments, vignettes Mm -hmm. in the story of Christ's journey to the cross. And there are a number of ways to engage with it, including having a more um, Lexio Divina or Visio Mm -hmm. Divina approach, which we've talked about in other podcast episodes. We actually went through them in church on Sunday, on Palm Sunday, and uh, used them for the prayers of the people. And so they would go through Mm -hmm. each, and then there would be kind of a responsive prayer that was related to both the story um, or the theme and that that little glimpse and then our current lives as well, which I felt was a really powerful way to do it, especially since we recently talked about the prayers of the people and reminded me of our conversation. Oh, that's fascinating. I'm going to see if I can get you to send that to us. Do you think you could link to it in the show notes or send it to us and have us share it in the Facebook group somehow? Yeah, I'll see if they can share it with me. I'm sure they'd be happy to, which is why you should be a part of the Facebook group. It's true. One of the many reasons. (laughs) Um, so then what about Holy Saturday, Lacey? Holy Saturday is, it, I mean, it's one of those days, I suppose, right, that I had said there wasn't something particularly special about it, so they put a holy on the front. And yet, <laughs> perhaps it's the most important day the of holiest. all. Mm. Yeah, that in-between. Um, I feel like it's essential. And so because of that, even though there isn't a particular um, event happening in church or on the calendar during that day um, in Scripture, that's, I think, where we're called to enter most deeply. And so I try to stay in that in-between. It's hard to say it. I'm, I'm speaking slowly, I suppose. It's hard to describe it in words. In a way, it's, mm-hmm. it's wordless um, because we've, if we're going live with the story, we uh, don't know what's going on. We've just been hu- hugely um, disappointed, very uncertain. Everything we thought has come to a halt and we think has ended. And so we're speechless and really, if we were there live, we don't know what's to come. And so, 
yeah, even beyond we don't know what's to come, we know what's to come. And what's to come is death and more death because mm-hmm. how would it be possible for anything else to be true? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, it feels like a time of practicing silence to me, uh, turning off the radio, the TV, computer. And um, I've even, in Gertrude Mueller Nelson, who I've referenced many a time, and who might who might have been my Elizabeth for me, as you as you <laughs> mentioned, who really awakened me to many of the ways that we can invite the liturgical year into our own personal lives. Uh, I think she talks about you can either eat cold meals or beans and rice, not use heat for the day. So Kyle, mm-hmm. Kyle really likes that idea. I have not been completely converted, but he likes the idea of like taking cold showers and. Even you cannot use electricity or something like that. Like the sources of life are gone. And light. Mm-hmm. And yeah, life and light, as we talked about in Christmas. Um, and so yeah, I feel like it's a really valuable day to make your own rituals and traditions. And um, because there aren't specific things in the church, it's a great opportunity to be creative and get personal with it. How Mm -hmm. can you um, enter into the darkness, enter into how can you remove life, light, and really stay in that place? Mm -hmm. Three other ideas for how you might um, imagine practices, kind of different entries. Um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is assigned the title of Our Lady of Solitude um, on this day, referring to her grief and solace at the death of her son. And so I've been imagining perhaps playing with um, seeking out other men and women of solitude um, Mm. in need of companionship um, and in seasons of grief and being present to them with them. Um, Another entry point you might engage with is that Um, Holy Saturday is also called the Great Sabbath by many, um, referring to the fact that Christ physically rested dead in the tomb. Um, And so if you're still exploring how you might practice Sabbath, um, that might be something to ponder and play with. A third, um, which we referenced earlier, is um, that this is also the day that Christ was believed to have descended into hell, which we refer to in the Apostles' Creed. And um, some say that he raised up to paradise those who had been held captive in hell. Um, And so in some Eastern Orthodox churches, the day is known as Joyous Saturday. And so if um, sitting with Jesus in the dark on Maundy Thursday and Good Friday. Um, if if by Saturday you you're needing something to celebrate again before Christ Himself is resurrected, um, that might be a way to to enter into some celebration mm-hmm. um, in a way that still fits, yeah. you know. So then on. Um, Saturday evening is when Sunday starts, so some will have Easter Eve services or Easter Mm -hmm. vigils, 
And then I know the churches um, that I've been a part of often have a sunrise service um, early, early, early in the morning on Sunday. Um, Growing up in Savannah, we had ours out at the arena near our little church, and that just felt like such a special service to be at. Going to that early, early Easter morning sunrise service um, felt in a way that we were entering into the vigil, even though Mm -hmm. we had, in fact, Mm -hmm. slept. Um, (laughs) And then we also, um, we do baptisms on Easter Sunday, as many churches do. And um, at each baptism, we we say the Apostles' Creed together, but somehow on Easter, there's it really feels like a, a moment of recommitting mm-hmm. to our own baptism vows as each new person even, is baptized. We do the vows, um, and I don't remember, as I said, this is the second Sunday I've done at my current church, Easter Sunday, but um, at the Anglican, Anglo-Catholic church I attended um, a few years ago, they take like a birch branch and dip it in the baptismal font. And they like, there's a song going on or something. And um, the rector walks through the aisles and like spring, like, you know, making her arm go really big to get it to reach everyone. That's great. And so like, no. there's a playfulness to it too. Cause you're, it's like, I feel like I'm back in a water ride again, getting, getting sprinkled <laughs> with water. And so I love that. Yeah. The sense of playfulness. Mm-hmm. Me too. And do you do anything else to usher Easter in or celebrate it on, on Sunday? Well, our church that we currently attend actually does the Easter service on Saturday evening. And mm. um, they have a celebration afterwards. So that kind of ushers us into into Easter Sunday. But... The service that really made me fall in love with the Easter vigil and really changed Easter for me was at the Anglo-Catholic service that I just mentioned. And it's sunrise. It's like pre, pre-sunrise. And um, the year my husband and I attended, we, we lived downtown nearby and we had to walk. And so we had to wake up. Extra, I think we woke up at like four in the morning. And the service starts wow. at five or something like that. And so you walk in and the ser- the church was built in probably the 60s. It's an A-frame, the sanctuary. And there's skylights just at the top where the, um, where the roof is. And what you, you're given this candle. And so you come in in darkness and everyone's tired. And you're given this candle that stays lit the whole time. And people go up. And it's like they're retelling the story, um, starting with creation. So the story of redemption Mm -hmm. on and on and on. And you slowly see, uh, because the windows on the side are colored, they're stained glass. And so the only clear windows are at the peak of this roof. And um, the sun slowly rising. And so it felt like we were on a ship, slowly Mm -hmm. entering into Easter. And then finally, when the sun is up, People ring their bells and there's, you know, the organ and there's this choir and all. It just like it, <laughs> wow. it, it gets, you know, I don't often get emotional um, at things like that. But man, it felt so live, so real, so present. And uh, yeah, 
It's the exact opposite of the tenebrae service, you know. As well, you're exactly. Extinguishing the light mm-hmm. that you're you're welcoming it mm-hmm. and celebrating it. Yeah, return exactly, and that's the same church too that I had first attended, where they cleared the altar, um, and like you said, took out the candles, entered in very much that entering into darkness, and so to participate in that complete journey, yeah, was so so powerful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that we attend a, tr- a church that has the service on Saturday evening, we are making our own traditions as well. And we talked about going to that early service at the other church, but instead we we have many beautiful beaches here in, in Seattle. And so we're going to go at sunrise and take coffee and some hot cross buns or something like that and sit and watch the mountains and sunrise come up on the beach. And I feel like that reminds me, too, of Jesus appearing on the beach, breakfasting with his disciples. And so that mm-hmm. feels like mm-hmm. a, a nice, quiet way to begin. Um, and then following that up with um, some feasting with friends, Absolutely. with community, hopefully spending time outside in the garden, like you had mentioned, new life, springtime. Mm-hmm. I think we're hoping to have uh, host a lunch and invite our neighbors to join us. And I don't know if that will be um, for our lunch meal or our evening meal. Clearly, I need to get on the invitations. <laughs> um, but my hope is that it is very casual and um, come and go as it fits with different families around us. But, you know, we've been in our home now for about five and a half years. And when we first moved in, we started getting to know all of our neighbors. Um, but we're one of the only homeowners right around us. Almost everyone else rents. And so um, people come and go a lot. And so at the moment, we actually don't know many of our neighbors very well. Mm. Um, they've, they've not been very interested in getting to know us. So um, I'm hoping to to try again yeah. and to open our yard and our home up and and make a feast mm-hmm. and invite them. So we're also hoping to invite our families um, to join us. So we'll report yeah. back. I know you talked about uh, your oh, neighborhood in this last episode that we we had. And so I like the way that yeah. that theme is weaving through. I look forward to hearing about how that goes for you. Mm-hmm. Lacey, I know you've got a benediction for us today that I am um, perhaps much like Holy Week, really looking forward Mm. to and a little bit nervous about. Yeah. Well, we've ended our conversation on Easter Sunday, but as we know, we are not there yet. And so we often offer words of benediction, song, uh, and sometimes we engage in spiritual practices in this time. And so one of my key spiritual practices is centering prayer. And I wanted to invite you all today into a short period of silence, um, silence and centering, as we try to root ourselves in this place, in this journey, this pilgrimage with Christ this week. And so we're going to do just about a minute here. I promise the podcast is not over, so you'll want to stay tuned to hear the end, but we're just going to sit in the silence, in the tension. Um, There might be a feeling of starkness, might feel severe, might feel bare, but that is the invitation of Holy Week.
Amen. What are your thoughts on Holy Week? Anything you've researched and found out that has your curiosity and imagination spinning? How do you plan to mark it? You may want to use our rubric for reflecting and resetting, which you can find at sacredordinarydays.com in the Essentials Workbook. Go through and imagine how you might engage with Holy Week mind, body, spirit, home, work, and in your relationships. And please, please, you've heard us refer to it several times in this episode. Join us in the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Sacred Ordinary Days Tribe. You can also find the conversation on social media using the hashtag Sacred Ordinary Days. As Easter is much more than one Sunday and is in fact an entire season, you'll hear from us again on Wednesday, April 6th, when we discuss Easter tide and celebration. To follow along, subscribe to the Sacred Ordinary Days podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. And if you're enjoying the show so far, we'd love for you to share it with one person that you think it would resonate with or perhaps meet a hunger that they have for community and formation. For more resources on the liturgical calendar and spiritual formation, you can join me at sacredordinarydays.com and Lacey at asacredjourney.net. But we hope you'll join us on our upcoming webinar and at our upcoming retreat. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.